This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. talking about SEAL physical training today. You know, we always talk about the mental aspect, which is a huge thing, and we will definitely touch on it as well today. But the physical structure of the physical training is something that's been admired the world around. Some people call SEALs the toughest, SEAL school, the toughest school in the world for military training. And it is true that you go in there. I've seen guys who are, appear to be tremendously fit. They got the really great physiques and they've been doing the curls just right and doing the delt exercises to get puffed up just right. And they'll go in there and find out they've got a little too much muscle mass to carry around on sand when you're running 7,500 miles a day. That's an exaggeration. But to give you an example of my old school training, how we got prepared for buds back in the mid 90s, and that wasn't, of course, old, old school, but I got converted during my career halfway through. So I was sent a training program from BUDS that had four exercises, and that's it. There was swimming and running on top of that, which had a, a regular schedule. But the otherwise, they said, do push-ups, pull-ups, dips, and sit-ups, and that's it. And do them until you can't see straight. The program tapered up from beginner level to what I'll share as far as the final numbers, which are which are staggering. Even to me to think about the fact that I was doing that when I was 30 years old, many years ago, it was a, based on a 20 sets routine and the numbers, it was a pyramid kind of a thing. Just do, do the series, do the push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, and dips. The numbers were simple. It was 10 pull-ups, 15 dips, 20 push-ups, and 25 sit-ups. And in the end, I was in, I ended up doing in that 20 sets of those numbers, which turn out to be 200 pull-ups, 300 dips, 400 sit-ups, and 400 push-ups, and 500 sit-ups. And I did it in 45 minutes because I became a steel spring over those many, many weeks and months of prepping to get ready for BUDS. So I went to BUDS doing all four exercises in 45 minutes. Things have gotten a lot more sophisticated since my old man, old school day. And that's really what I want to focus on today is to to help you understand, not to become a SEAL necessarily, but even to aspire. There's a lot of SEALs out today training and special forces guys and combat controllers. There's a lot of routines out there, but very few people in the market are actually providing training for all of the above and much more. My honored guest today, Stu Smith, has a training program. I'll give you his bio here. Former Navy Lieutenant Stu Smith graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy in 1991, then finished basic underwater demolition or BUDS training in Class 182. After eight years in the teams, he specializes in helping young men and women prepare to become military, police, firefighters, and special ops professionals. He's written over 1,000 articles. 14 published books, and dozens of other tactical programs focusing on a variety of tactical and general fitness, nutritional, and issues people face throughout their career. Basically, anything that requires a fitness test to enter and a selection program that you have to prepare to get through, StuSmithFitness.com has the answer. Stu, welcome to Beyond Your Limits. Hey, good to see you again, Rob. Last time we were talking over the phone and uh, the internet, it was me on your show. I'm really happy to return the favor. Yeah. Yeah, the tactical fitness report. That's a that's a fun one. I was I was glad to have you on there and tell your story because it's you know not many thirty year olds make it to or through SEAL training. So. Yes, yes, N- not big, you know there's story. there's something about being too dumb to quit. There's a lot to that. That's that's back to the mindset, right? The ninety percent. Yeah, usually I leave that to the eighteen year olds. They're usually <laughs> too dumb to quit, but. <laughs> Usually at 30, you got some other options in your life. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was, you know, of course, that was uh, that those 10 years of life experience as a grown up or some form of grown up were what helped me during some of the tougher times when the kids in the group had no frame of reference. You know, this is just Absolutely. hard. And all they can Absolutely. do is just be really, really tough. I had tough and a little bit of savvy to, to lean back on saying, OK, they can't kill me. But they're going to, and I use this motto, I think uh, I've, tr- I've told a lot of young prospects the same thing. Tell yourself they're going to have to kill you to get you out. 
And that mindset, although there's not a real death involved except in the extremely rare tragedy, the mindset helps tug you through the harder stuff when you're going delusional during Hell Week and running on those 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 paver stones out in front of the dining facility on raw feet feels like you're running on jagged glass and all the things. Mindset is everything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Well, I've talked about how much you have produced for so many programs. I want to go back to your basics, back to your – because we see what Stu Smith is today, the overall – program, all the offerings. And I also emphasized in your bio, nutritional, right? I emphasize that word. In, in, in impact, we simplify all physical training, physical wellness and fitness to four words, sleep, eat, and train. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, you have to unpack all of that. They're, they're, each one of them is an encyclopedia of, of practice and learning. But it should start with a sleep program because anybody can do that. <laughs> There's no reps. It's just do it. Do the damn thing. You know what? That's funny. I, I just wrote an article today basically called, you know, optimal performance is the mastery of recovery, right? About two weeks ago, I wrote and did a podcast called longevity is the mastery of recovery. So both young and old can benefit from thoroughly understanding, you know, eat, sleep and train. And getting it to a level that allows you to recover properly and have the energy you need to perform at your very best. You know, so it's it's a balancing act of really your nutrition, your sleep, your programming. You put that all together and you know, those have to be in balance. If they're not in balance, it doesn't matter if you're overtraining or not. If you're undersleeping, you might as well be overtraining because you're never really thoroughly recovering. So that's why I say the, you know, the mastery of recovery is really the key to longevity as well as optimal performance. You mentioned rest, even obviously beyond sleep. We have to have those rest cycles, and I, th- I know we'll, we'll unpack that today too. Dive into that issue, uh, but but rest. The a sine wave has bottoms too, has troughs as well as peaks. And just going out there and saying, I'm going to be, I'm a huge fan of being tough. When we did the Serengeti crossing for National Geographic's migrations, I said to the, to the 19 other people that were trying to survive it, tough will take you far. Because, and that's toughness is I choose this, not just I am this. I, I really had to, had to nuance it out and say, am I telling them to be seals? Because I can't do that. They can't be seals if they're not seals. They are all these other things, primitive skills experts and survival experts and big cat experts. I, and I, so I, I distinguished from being a Navy SEAL tough to just saying, you have to choose the toughness. I will make it through this. I will you know, set out with that, that mindset. And it got really tough, and we lost about a third of the folks in the whole series over the six weeks. But, but that mindset is a key part. But just being tough is not enough. We say in the SEAL teams, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. You know, you, you, you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. Because yeah. there's oh, a absolutely. lot to learn through being dumb. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one. Smith, if you're going to be stupid, you better be strong. Drop, right? And just make you do push-ups forever. And make you smarter while they make you yeah, harder. Yeah, you, you learn through some of those uh, aches and pains, definitely, for sure. But, you know, your ability to mitigate stress, and that's really what recovery is, is your ability to mitigate the stress that life, your training is putting on you is really what it's all about. And, you know, that is that is going to enable you to also learn on a very steep learning curve that is the type of training that you're trying to endure, right? I mean, it's very hard to be physically beaten down to a point where you just, you're exhausted. And then you got to go learn a skill and replicate that for instructors you know, whether it's diving or shooting or navigation or whatever, you know, you not being taxed and at your ultimate level of physical ability is really key to you also learning the valuable technical skills that, you know, you were talking about, yeah, tough, but you're also, you have some skills that you've learned along the way that, um, you know, it all ties into your ability to recover because you're not thinking if you're stressed out. 
I hate to transition from dumb mistakes to this, but Eric Bond, Impact Actual Producer. Welcome aboard, brother. Hey, Rob. Hey, Stu. How's it going? All good. I'm going to try something. I'm going to try a quick segue to different. Like Speaking of tough, Eric Bond, welcome. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Now, Stu, from, from what I understand, your body doesn't delineate like doesn't make doesn't differentiate between the types of stress it's physical stress emotional stress your body just looks at that as as straight stress saber tooth tiger right am i correct in that yeah hormonally speaking stress is stress you know it, it really doesn't matter if you have bullets flying over your head or if you can't pay a bill at the end of the month hormonally speaking it is the same I love that phrase, hormonally speaking, because it is the what, what the limbic system, all the different hormones, all the different instinctive design in our body, because there is an instinctive element to it. I mean, I was thinking about that today. I'm not sure why, but even a brand new, a newborn mammal of any species knows how to suckle, because if you don't do that, you die. So somewhere in the DNA is this knowledge of what to do. And it's so closely related to the very obvious physiology. I mean, I love your example of not being able to pay a bill. It is a, it's a, it's perceived at the lizard brain as being sure. a threat to existence. Absolutely. A lot of hostility is that I think today, a lot of what we see in our social disruption, a lot of tearing of people tearing at each other, the left and the right politically or, or, or any kind of other bigotry that involves races or, or types of life lifestyle. There's a lot of fear in that. And the fear of being, I mean, the fear of the other in that case, to, to, to do a wild leap here, a wild extrapolation. The fear of another is also a primitive idea. You ain't from around here. You know, it worked really well when you had two villages and and everybody knew who was in the village. There's only 47 people and you're not one of the 47. You're maybe here to, to steal a woman or, or kill somebody. Yeah, you know, fear and anger, you know, that that is a part of our, you know, emotional side that, once again, your body doesn't really differentiate, you know, what that is. It's still hormone, it's still stress, and it's things that you still have to be able to recover from at the end of the day. You know, you can look at a scary movie. You know, your your brain and your eyeballs see a movie, but you know, in, in essence, it's really just a bunch of dots on a screen that is stressing you out tremendously right so your body doesn't necessarily differentiate you know that level of stress so there are so many things in life that stress us out and you know that's why i like to put in you know eat sleep train but also you have to balance that emotional stress that is life you know on that balance beam Otherwise, you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, fear, and anger all the time, you know, once again, it doesn't matter how perfect your nutrition is and how perfect your sleep is, you know, all that extra stress is just going to eventually weigh you down on that little seesaw of, of balance that is the, you know, endocrine system, you know, that that actually tries to keep everything in balance for us, you know, and sleeping and eating is our number one and number two way of doing it. I once heard a phrase that you've probably shared with others in one form or another that you can't out train a shitty diet. Oh no, no, not at all. I mean, when you're young, you might be able to get away with it a little bit, but there's going to be a time where it absolutely uh, catches up to you. In fact, I have a whole series of training programs called Tactical Fitness Over 40. And the number one rule of that is you can't outwork a bad diet. You you just can't do it. That's it's, such a strong, strong, simple lesson. It's really profound in its simplicity. Just be aware of this, you know, for yeah. everybody. The young guys, I mean, you and I were the young guys with the young bucks that were unbreakable and, you know, bulletproof um, in our 20s and we thought we could do anything. I mean, when I when I was doing that workout in forty five minutes, that's a the total reps of that. That's nine, twelve. That's a oh yeah, it's well over a thousand reps. reps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In forty five minutes, and it was including transition between four stations right there at the at the Barber's Point Playground. <laughs> I did it, of course, when the kids weren't there because that would be really creepy. 
Well, I will tell you this. I've done so many workouts on playgrounds that, you know, yes, you're right. You definitely have to time it when the kids aren't there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a minimalist when it comes to training. I love calisthenics and cardio. In fact, I love calisthenics and cardio so much. I even made a t-shirt. Cows and cardio. I'll send you one. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Cows and cardio. I love that. <laughs> So, but I mean, I still lift too, obviously, but it's just in different cycles. And maybe we can talk about the seasonal approach because you mentioned earlier about, you know, the bell curve or the sine wave. And that's kind of how my training looks year round is there, there are peaks and valleys and, you know, different elements of fitness that you focus on spread throughout the year where you don't neglect any weaknesses, but at the same time, you're not burning out on one particular element month after month after month, year after year to a point of where you're just beat up and injured all the time. I, I, that's very interesting to me. I've, ne- I've never thought about uh, annual cycle uh, of, of training. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, there's we have seasonal, I mean, moods, right? We have uh, seasonal affective disorder, a.k.a. SAD. People are affected in the emotional and mental aspects. It makes sense that we want to we want to kind of. I, I, I hate to say it in a, in a tough guy crowd, but be gentle with yourself is a really important term that I've I've followed for for my sobriety. In my in my program of recovery, I learned a long time ago to stop beating myself up. You idiot! You dropped the milk. You made a mistake. You forgot the phone call. You did you know? And that stuff is a self abuse kind of a thing that only pulls the person farther down the scale of performance and effectiveness and readiness, makes a person less able to do anything. But to be responsive to the cycle, the the cycle of the year is very interesting. Can you unpack that? Oh, absolutely. You know where I came up with the idea is um, I just got to thinking about the way the sun goes through the day. I think it might have been a spring forward, fall back time frame. And I was like, man, this getting up and it feels like five o'clock in the morning right now. It's supposed to be six o'clock, you you know, one of those type of things. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to start my running cycle with the sun. And like when it's, you know, 30 minutes before daylight, right? Yeah. Just right before the sun rises, you know, I like to, you know, get out. So it's a little bit of daylight, but it's not quite bright. That nice pre-dawn. Yeah, so I called it my solstice running program, right? So in the summer, my longer my runs were longer because I had a, a end time, but my start time started a little bit earlier, right? But the uh, in the winter, my run times were a lot shorter, right? I just ran less, so I replaced that with some non-impact cardio activity to maintain the aerobic base, but I added in lifting you know, kind of sucked outside in the winter. So I was like, I'll go inside and start lifting. Then I came back around in the spring and started, you know, dropped the lifts and started doing a calisthenics and cardio cycle. I have been doing that since I was 30 years old. So I am now 53 and I've been doing it for 23 years now. And it has made all the difference in the world. Just with not only with my own performance and training and reduction of injuries, that I was getting throughout my teens and twenties because I was just a wild man in athletics, contact sports, football, rugby. Then I did spec ops, you know, preparing for buds and then eight years in the teams by 30. I was literally broken at 30 and I had to rebuild myself. And I went back to some of the very basic isolation exercises out of like Joe Weider books from the eighties. Right. And just, I was bodybuilding just to rebuild myself. I stopped running. Everything was, you know, messed up. You know, I had a stress fracture in my femur. I had ankle surgery, I had shoulder injury. I mean, all of it was, was pretty just nagging injuries to a point where I had to think of something new. And that was at 30 years old. And that, that was when I got out of the, the military and it was part of, you know, my journey was part of my own necessity, but also I saw a need in not only our own community and the spec ops community, but in the general tactical world itself, military, law enforcement, firefighters, 
you know, on both ends of the spectrum. So I would I would see it on a very beginner level spectrum where they're just not prepared and they wouldn't make it through training. I mean, I'm talking about basic boot camp or police academy training. Or they were just injured because, you know, the amount of volume that they were exposed to to them was overtraining and they they were injured because they just weren't durable enough to handle it. And then I saw this very similar thing on the far end of the spectrum, you know, when you're really highly fit and preparing for spec ops level selection programs, there's really nothing there to do that. Like you said, you probably had a sheet of paper, you know, that you know, gave you what you're supposed to do every day and you just repeated it, you know, every other day or whatever. But, you know, it, it really requires a lot more information than that. And you need the why behind it too. In many cases I do. Yeah. To thoroughly prepare for, you know, what you're going to endure, you know, and, and thoroughly understand that tactical fitness, right? When I started the term tactical fitness didn't even exist. You know, I called it military law enforcement and firefighter fitness. And that didn't really roll off the tongue. Right. So as, as soon as, as soon as, uh, I heard the term tactical fitness and I heard it through the national strength and conditioning association, they actually created a program called tactical strength and conditioning. And they, it was for military law enforcement and firefighters. And I was like, I've been doing this for 10 years. I am now doing tactical fitness. I actually wrote a book. Called my publisher up. We got to do one called Tactical Fitness. And, um, you know, I'd done some other ones before, you know, 10 years before that, you know, with Navy SEAL Fitness and FBI and other spec ops programs. And really my, my whole method of creating these programs is I train people here locally and online, and I kind of use their lessons learned and their progress, you know, to create generic programming from that. And I, I learn a lot by putting people through that, you know, the, the good, the bad, you know, the, uh, the things that didn't work for this person might've worked for this person and why, you know, so it's, they're really all tested. And I have a program here in Maryland called the heroes of tomorrow, where I train kids who want to serve for free and they're ba they're basically my my guinea pigs for coming up with new programming. But you know everybody wins. You know I get ideas to write articles and books, and they get ideas to uh, you know or free training that's going to prepare them for their jobs. And, and that's what some of these things are behind me. Like these paddles are you know SQT paddles. You know where five of my guys were in that class. You know and they were in this class. And oh, you know, amazing. So they, they sit they send me presents all the time of yeah. like, you know, they're graduating. This, this one over here is like a HRT poster. And, you know, so I got all types and it's just been a wonderful training cycle working with all these different athletes. But the one thing that holds true is that see what I call it now is I call it seasonal tactical fitness periodization. And that, is, that takes you through the seasons where each season you focus on a particular element of fitness, but you try to maintain the previous season's element of fitness that was the focus. So it's, uh, you know, and we're talking about strength and power and speed and agility, muscle stamina, endurance, you know, mainly in three modes of running, rucking, and swimming, uh, flexibility, mobility, and uh, grip. Yeah, you know, that's a very important one as well. So we kind of focus on those elements of fitness, but we don't focus on all of them all at once. We focus on a weakness, maintain some strengths, move through that cycle where it's not so much a weakness anymore. And then we try to flip it and maintain, you know, whatever that weakness was while we focus on some other elements of fitness. So once again, it bell curves through the year. So you're not necessarily just redlining it on every single thing. And then once again, like me, if you were doing that in your 20s, you're broken by 30. If you look at um, our own platoon training regimen, it's an 18-month cycle. We we go to extend your – obviously, it's not based on an annual cycle, but it's it's similar in the sense that we're doing – our air ops prep, we're doing spy rigging and jumping and, and, and repelling and, uh, or rope work, I guess we call it. Um, 
And then you're doing your maritime operations, going over the beach, going over the waves, going over the miles of water. We cyclically do that for 18 months before we deploy for six months and then come back and rinse, repeat, start it over. That cycle has a lot of value in the sense of it's a, there's a freshness, always a freshness to the new thing you're doing. Uh, you mentioned maintaining. Uh, I have another impact rule we talk about, gain and maintain or GAM. I love I love old man terms because I'm an old man. So GAMs was an old, old, old fashioned term for <laughs> yeah. le- legs, right? Means legs. It's yeah. got legs. Yeah. So gain and maintain. It's such a critical, I mean, obviously you can see we try to simpl- boil it down to the simplest terms, seat, sleep, sleep, eat, and train, gam, gain and maintain. But but again, like your simplicity we were talking about earlier, there's deep pr- simplicity in resting and the cycle and the seasonal stuff that 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 goes into our rhythm, our, our rhythm of oh, being a biological ex- uh, creature. And the maintain part that we skip so often because like a lot of guys leave the teams, myself included, and stop training intensely and, and have to then a few years later realize what we threw away. I had this, I had this fitness or I had this and for a linguist, which is another part of my background. I had this level of proficiency. I ignored it. It went stale. And now the main, the regaining, regaining is much, much harder than maintaining, getting caught back up to your fitness when you let it go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the one of the neat things that I've discovered, and I probably learned this from the teams, like you mentioned, is that there's a tactical advantage as well to going through a cycle like this, dealing with weather. Because, you know, when we were lifting, you know, when we were at the teams, I was at SDVs for a while, did a lot of diving. And um, in the winter, we were lifting hard just to put on like 10 or 15 pounds of mass because we were freezing. Right. So it, it, this actually worked for us, you know, tactically to be a little bit bigger, a little bit more bulky in the winter to endure some of those colder um, missions that you had to prepare for or had to do. And, you know, obviously these depending on where you're going to deploy in your cycle. Um, but if it's if it's cold, you definitely you're going to want some mass on you for sure. And then, you know, when the spring comes around, you kind of rip it up and you try to, you know, drop five or 10 pounds, be a little leaner and meaner and uh, get out there and do things. I will say this, though, you know, as I've gone from 30 to 40, that probably wasn't much of a problem. And then you know, somewhere in the mid 40s, early 50s, dropping that 10 pound weight gain from the winter lift cycle got harder and harder. So there are some changes that have to occur throughout our journey, especially as, you know, if you're going to be a tactical athlete for a career or over, you know, 20 years, you're going to be older longer than you are younger Yeah, in that career. And there's some lear- lessons learned for sure about eating, can't outwork your diet, you know, the training has to be different. You have to really engage mobility and flexibility. Oh, I got to share sure. with you. Uh, I got to share with you my, uh, the thing that probably changed my life at age 45 in my training. And all I did was I just replaced one of my hard, normal hard days with what I call mobility day. And my mobility day looks like this. It is five minutes of bike or elliptical or some other non-impact cardio. You can even do it in the pool if you want five minutes in the pool, but then you take five minutes and you're stretching and foam rolling for five minutes and you do that for an hour, right? So that is a day of training. You know, that's my hour of training for the day. And it's pure, it's basically like a yoga class or a spin class for somebody with ADHD. Right. So instead of doing it all at once for an hour and all at once for an hour, it's like split up five minutes on five minutes off. And for me, it works really well because, you know, it's hard for me to sit on a bike for an hour or go through a yoga class for an hour, but mix, you know, all the positive, you know, outcomes of those types of training. You can really you can really answer some problems within your own body on that mobility day. And originally it was just for me and my group. Like I, the, I'd be the old guy doing the old, you know, the, the old stuff and let the younger guys go do their things. And then every now and then I get a new guy like 
showing up and I just kind of introduced myself while we're doing this little mobility day. And then I'd get somebody who's injured, you know, got some shin splints, can't do the run workout. So he's going to do mobility day with me or, you know, some kind of ache or pain. And then it just turned into everybody doing it. And even the young guys benefited from it to a degree that I was a little surprised because I took out a hard day for them. Right. But you know what it did in the middle of the week, if you do that mobility day, like on a Wednesday or a Thursday, it makes your Friday and Saturday workouts just off the charts, right? Instead of coming in, dragging it like 50% on a Saturday, you have to working out for five days. You just have a, a different whole different mindset, different feeling, different energy level. And you can just go in there and, and see bigger gains. So, uh, the mobility, the addition of the mobility day, not only changed my performance, but it also changed a bunch of the younger guys' performance as well. It's actually like a little nap in the week, isn't it? Uh, in the daily cycle. It's like, <laughs> you know what? It, we it's, feel refreshed it's a, after a it's nap. It's an easy day. Yeah, it's an easy day. You know, it's refreshing. Everybody, like all the young guys now, like, whoo, glad it's mobility day. <laughs> when they come in, I'm like, <laughs> so. Steve, I got a question. So when you're... If you look at like when you recent air, recent times, there's been a lot of seals that have deployed to Afghanistan. They've been deployed to Iraq. When it comes down to tactical training, obviously you, know, you look at Afghanistan, mountainous terrain. You're at elevation. Still, in some parts of that country, it's a little bit warmer, but can be colder. Different, you know, different weather. And then you get into Iraq, obviously more desert, hotter temperature. How do you go about preparing for those two locales from a technical training standpoint from, from workouts? I'm going to get a long answer to you real quick because where a lot of people screw up tactical fitness training is they confuse the phases of tactical fitness. And real quick, phase one of tactical fitness is focusing on whatever you have to pass to get selected into a group, whether the that is a P, yeah, bare bare, whatever the PT test is, medical, ASFAB, you know, whatever mental, medical, and physical tests you have to take, that is phase gotcha. one of tactical fitness. Phase two is preparing for what you have to endure after that basic training, especially if you're trying to get into some kind of spec ops program. So now you have to up your abilities to you know, handle, you know, six months of SEAL training, for instance, right? So that's phase two. Phase three is the active duty operator. And each one of those phases, you can kind of start to see the differences where they are. And a lot of people get them confused. Like there may be a guy who's preparing to go into the military, but he's doing phase three workouts that some, you know, active SEAL or former SEALs posting and it's not really going to prepare him for what he's trying to do to get to and through, you know, the first two phases. So, you know, just understanding that and then phase three is going to be completely different. You're no longer having to do buds type crazy workouts like you were doing thousand reps in, you know, 45 minutes. Um, you're, you're dealing more about uh, strength and you know, so you're lifting more, you're probably running a lot less, you might be rucking a little more because that's what your job requires. There are some different training locations. You know, one thing when, when you're home at the SEAL team, it, it's very rare, right? One thing that operational teams will do in their pre-deployment cycles is actually go somewhere to do a lot of their training. And if that's high altitude desert, you know, they will start to acclimate themselves to, you know, those worlds where they're about to deploy. In fact, I mean, you go to the higher level SEAL teams, the ones that are, you know, like the, you know, the SEAL Team 6 and Delta and all those guys, they actually have training facilities that can decrease the pressure of oxygen, the, you know, the percentage of oxygen and, you know, make it actually be at altitude while you're working out. So there are many different areas that, um, 
that come into play on phase three of tactical fitness. I tend to tend to focus on phase one and phase two. Phase three is now a world-class level of athletic training that SOCOM hires professional trainers and coaches and, you know, doctors, you know, to help people deal with those stresses that it is that, that are being older in these very challenging jobs as, you know, just recovering from those type of stress. So stress mitigation is a huge part of phase three, whereas it's not so much in phase one and phase two, because, you know, in phase three, the stress just becomes different instead of a physical stress. It is a emotional stress. It is a, a lack of sleep. You know, you're doing night ops all the time. So there's a different level of stress mitigation that is obviously important that is done in phase three. That's probably the biggest differentiator of, of the different phases of tactical fitness. And I, and I, and I broke it up like that uh, just because I got tired of seeing so many people confuse the phases and do inappropriate training for whatever phase they were in. You know, because there's some some team guys, as you may remember, Rob, that were still doing buds workouts when they were in the teams, and they're always broken. Yeah. So there, there's a time and place for each one of those phases. So I hope that's kind of the long answer for your question. I, I hope that that took care of it for you. No, it's great, Stu. Thank you. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, we were you at SDVU one or two? Two. So Plus, in uh, Hawaii, in Hawaii, we had perfect weather every day, 365, you know, the, the, the temp would be in the mid seventies and the water was at 70. I, when I did risk assessment for dives and ops, I just never, Beautiful. we never tested the water. We just said 70, it's 70 because it was 70 and <laughs> it was 70 in November, 70 in June. Mm. But when we're working out year round in Hawaii at 75 degrees, and then we deploy to Iraq and it's 150 degrees the next day, the body doesn't know what to do with the Wait, yeah. again mental toughness is great but the body's like give me a couple of days because i'm freaking out here or if you're diving off of you know south korea yep exactly know, freezing we go from 70 yeah. to 30 33 degrees water yeah and then, yeah. You know, of course you know as you said we travel as a platoon when our training cycle well we would go to to kodiak in alaska for for dry suit appreciation that means five minutes yeah. and 33 degree water in your underwear and you appreciate the dry suits after five minutes and 33 degree water in your underwear. Oh, yeah. And then we do deploy it to Nyland for a week or two, you know, get out to Nyland and, and bake in the sun with the scorpions for a yep. couple of weeks. But it, it's, a, that's a, it's a blip on the radar as far as the physiology is concerned. Oh, okay. sure. Sure. But it's an introduction. Exactly. And, and you start learning techniques of, okay, well, I need to make sure I pack this, this, and this because, you know, I don't want to freeze at night. Right, and I need to pack this and this and this because I don't want to be a heat casualty, you know, and be dehydrated and no electrolytes and all those things. So it's, you know, once again, it it comes down down to sleeping. You know, how are you going to sleep and how are you going to eat in those climates so you can recover from those stresses that you're enduring while you're there? Yeah, I love the idea of recovering from stress. I wrote down several of your notes here. Whether you're in a near-death experience or you can't pay a bill, the the body perceives it as the same stress. It's an existential threat. I'm sure I'm in danger. Hormonally speaking, it's all stress, and you have to balance all that on the balance beam, and that's a huge part of our our, our purpose, you know, with impact. I wanted to go back to the talk. You, know, well, you you mentioned these plaques and the other testimonials from kids who have been trained by you, went to their training, completed the the testing to get into the training, and then completed the training. And now they're a combat controller or a SEAL or a Green Beret. That is just a deeply, deeply important legacy. It is so rewarding for me. You know, you know whether it's a gift like I have up on my wall or it's just a simple email just saying, hey, Stu, I made it through. You know, thanks so much. I am honored to be a part of anybody's journey, you know, when they are preparing to serve, are serving, or just a regular person trying to lose 100 pounds. 
you know, I'll be honest with you, Rob, you know, I've kind of figured out the whole tactical fitness world, but I, I, I get the most reward out of seeing someone who's kind of lost a lot of hope, you know, it's got a little trickle of motivation left in there. And then we use that little bit of motivation to grow some good habits and those habits turn into some discipline and that discipline turns into a little bit of toughness. And next thing you know, a year later, that person has had a lifestyle change, not just on a diet. He's had a lifestyle change or her has had a lifestyle change that enabled them to lose 80 to 100 pounds. And they look back at like a year ago from the day they did that and they're like a completely different person. You know, that that is that that's beyond rewarding. Yeah, you know, it's it's easy to take someone who can do ten pull ups and get them up to twenty pull ups and run a six minute mile. You know that's that's not the hard part. It's you know when you are also you, you get the opportunity to help somebody in, in that level of um, fitness transition and just health transition. It's uh, that's 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 what I would prefer to do most of the time. Uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, it, you get, you get what you you do, whatever you can, you know, in any journey, whatever that is, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of. So. Well, it's a, it's a transformation to be blessed, yeah. to be able to help somebody with their transformation of life. It's a near miracle. Like I talk about with their impact coaching. It's if we take a person and hold them by the hand, you know, they're doing the work. We're just offering recommendations, but when they follow those recommendations and make a lifestyle change, that is literally a change of life for them for the rest of their life. And who do they touch? You know, who do they influence oh, in the future so when somebody many. sees that story? And I mean, some of your kids, some of your people who go on a, go on a stage as a, as a motivator to talk about their loss of a hundred pounds and how I can do it. So can you, what is the ripple effect of that? What is the ripple effect of making one Navy seal? I mean, somebody trained Rob O'Neill, right? And Rob is a guy who, is a human being like anybody. He's not a, he's not an he's not a superhuman, but he was motivated as a young man by somebody, a young boy, young man to become a seal. He became a seal. Sure. He became a damn neck guy, a six, seal team six guy. And he killed bin Laden. Well, that is a global repercussion that goes directly back to one person who influenced him most to get on and stay on that path. It's profound. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it for sure. And I had the good fortune of, of co- interviewing Coach Bond. When we talk about Eric Bond as the coach, you know, with Impact, it's obvious we're all coaches. But he is an actual coach, competitive athlete from college and a coach. And we were talking in a recent podcast when I got to interview him about today's generation and the lack of fitness throughout the youth of today. I'm sure you're dealing with that on a regular basis. Absolutely. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. Talking about transformation of society. It changes how you start people for sure. Like I can't start people, you know, the same way that maybe I did 20, 30 years ago. And and that, that leads to a generation of males. Let's talk, you know, all, all kids these days are, are are being deprived of PE in, I mean, of course there are still sports. They exist. They happen as, in, in high schools. But when we think about, again, ripple effects, the repercussion, that butterfly effect of telling kids it's not important to, to train every day. It's not important. It's not important as Eric, can you tell that quick story about the, the, the dad in the commercial? You went berserk on a commercial about oh. a guy that was, was mediocreing. Yeah, it was, it's a commercial by actually a company I used to work for mass mutual. And I think I was watching Hulu the other night with, with Stephanie and my wife and there's this dad, it's a, it's a little, little league baseball game. And there's this dad in the stands and the mom's right next to him and the mom's, you know, cheering, you know, cheering her kid on. And the dad's sitting there, you know, basically saying, Hey, it's okay to, it's okay to suck. You have no chance of progressing in your athletic career at all. And I'm like, I got like became like enraged. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, this is, this is lunacy. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I played a college sport and less than 8% of high school athletes play college sports. Uh, you know, I, I was never the strongest. I was never the fastest. I was never the quickest, but I had a tremendous amount of heart. It wasn't an accident that I was a captain on my teams in college. And I'm just like, what, like, what, what father in their right mind would tell your kid after striking out that it's, that it's okay to, 
okay to suck because you have no chance of going anywhere anyways in sports, concentrating on something else. Like, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. And it was just, wow. You know, and I guess they're, they're trying to, they're trying to trigger people like me, I guess. <laughs> I just, it's memorable. I couldn't, I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. And, and, and I'm, and I'm like, that's, but, but that's not, that, that's more common nowadays than when I was, you know, when I was growing up, I had, I had a dad that was in the air force. It was in Vietnam. My grandfather was a, you know, was a Colonel in the U S army and was in D day. And like you, you, you do what you can to get the job done. You, you, and you, you work at something if you, if, if you want to be good at something and Hey, I mean, every, every sooner or later, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is sooner or later, someone's going to take your Jersey from you and tell you that you're not good enough. It shouldn't be a parent telling you not to pursue your dreams. Not to even try. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had huge dreams of being a college and professional football player when I was 15, 16, 17 years. You know what it made me do? It made me work out harder. So I, I made the high school team, right? And I tried to play in college. Didn't work out for me. Wound up playing rugby instead. Had a blast. You know, had four other dudes on my team. All became SEALs with me. You know, that was awesome. You know, it was just a great journey. I mean, was I good at any of them? I was good, but I wasn't great, obviously. I you know, <laughs> didn't play in the next level, but it was fun. It was very rewarding to a point of just working really hard to make a team. And, you know, even if you don't make that team, you still put in the work. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, 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 yeah, you learn, you learn something valuable comes out of that hard work and becomes a habit. That's the lifestyle. Exactly. When you make a habit of staying fit and keeping going and persisting, uh, it's, it's really good to be beaten. It's really, really valuable to get your ass kicked. It's really good. Like Michael Jordan talks about to fail 9,000, 9,000 shots on the, on the basket. He, he, he brags about how much he's failed because yeah. through the failures, we learn what didn't work and then what, what might work. We'll try something else. It's a life of success through failing forward. We have, I talked about stusmithfitness.com already. That's obviously a focal point for folks to go to, to catch you and find you and, and get involved with what you're doing. You're all over the, the, the Amazon with, with the books and all over the, uh, the ether with articles. How do you want folks to, to, to reach you directly? Do you, is it uh, reaching you through a, an email or, or at, the, at the site? And what do you want to leave the listener with today? What's your foot stomp for a seal? You know what? Most people just email me real easy, Stu at stusmith.com. I will say probably half of my emails I should say half of my articles that I write come from emailed questions. So I, it's funny. Sometimes I do these live Q and A's and, you know, people ask me a question and I just like send them an article. I said, check this out. You know, I wrote this 10 years ago, same question, right? Nothing really changes. In fact, I even challenge people to go to Google, type in a question and put my name in it and see if I've written an article on it. Very cool. <laughs> so, so I probably have. If I haven't, send it to me because I will. Right. But I am, you know, I, I guess if, if I were to say to anyone who is, you know, considering taking their life into the, the next level and whatever that is, you know, whether it's high school to college or it's, you know, try to get fit and healthy again, lose 100 pounds. If it's, you know, go from military to spec ops you know, police to SWAT team, whatever, whatever that next level is, is it's so healthy to have that challenge sitting in the horizon for you, because at first it starts off as a dream, but then your work is going to change that into your life, you know, and you're living your dream at one point, but you got to get there, right? And it's going to be hard work. It may take months. It may take a few years, but be patient. and you know, that dream that you have out there is going to keep driving you, keep pushing you, and you're going to have ups and downs throughout that whole journey, but keep it, keep it on the horizon because, you know, if you can just keep it there, look at it, write it. I don't care what you do, put a poster, do something. So every morning you see it and everything that you do, everything in that day is going to drive you somewhat closer to that. 
that's the way to take it to the next level. Right. And just one day, you're, yeah, one day you're, you're, you're living that dream, you know, whatever that is, you know, it could be a college kid that wants to be a doctor. You know, that, that's a, that's a long journey. I actually considered that once, you know, I set that thing up there. I was like, yeah, I want to try to be a doctor. And then I started doing all the math and you know, the <laughs> time, the time I was like, whoo, <laughs> maybe I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> Same here. So, I plan on being a veterinarian because I love James Harriet's books. I, and I got to college and said, chem, calc, and bio, not for me. So AKA vet, not for me. But it did, yeah. like you say, pull me forward. And I was farther ahead to make my next goal. In yep. Land Nav, I always pick, I love Land Nav. Love moving perfect, through the woods with my Silver perfect Ranger. Perfect analogy, too. Pick a, pick a reference point and go to it. I know where you're going. Yeah. Even when you fall down, you get back up, you can reset on that reference point. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a SEAL. I'm going to be healthier. You know, getting back in shape, like we talked about, is so hard at certain points of life. But it's worth it. Just pick that goal and walk toward it. You'll eventually get better than you are, even if you don't make that particular goal, and you may set, set new goals. Absolutely. One day at a time. And that's, and that's the thing, especially with fitness. You know, fitness is not a destination. You know, it is a journey mm -hmm. forever, right? Because just when you, you get to that destination that you have, you may be older than you were when you started, right? Things have to change a little bit. You yeah. might not be able to do the same things that you did back here that you are up here, right? So things may have to change. So it's always a journey. Right. And there's so many different ideas that you can do to go from, you know, endurance athlete or strength athlete or running a race or do a triathlon. You know, there's so many different little goals that you could do just to keep yourself moving in the right direction. And reset as appropriate. hundred percent. Really solid stuff. Thank you so much, Stu. I really appreciate this. And, and so do the listeners. And we're going to make sure we pull out all the nuggets. I wrote down three quotes in this. And we have about 500 great quotes from this discussion. We need to get the, the ideas out there for the people in the world. Well, thank you, Rob. I'm honored to be part of your show. Eric, as always, thank you, brother. You always add, especially with the sports stuff and the competitive stuff and going through the tough times. I mean, we've talked about your broken, your double broken nose many times, right? <laughs> but you keep five, going. Five, five times. <laughs> I thought it was five two. <laughs> but you keep going. That's right. <laughs> and yeah, that's what we fix, want people to do. we got to fix the first time and then the other four times I said, eh, probably going to break it again some other time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So. But you didn't just sit on the couch and wait for it to get better, wait for life to get better, because that's not where life gets better. Stu Smith can't stop training today at 53 and be great in seven years at 60. That is true. Okay. McDonald's on the couch will not make you a fit man at 60. But if you just keep going through life, it's a process. Women like fit, older, rugged looking guys, man. Just remember that. That's why I keep my nose the way it is. That's right. What to say. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is really good stuff. And thank you again, as always, to the listeners. Keep tuning in here to keep getting great tips and going beyond your limits. And we will see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.